Welcome to this podcast of sermons at CUNY United Methodist Church. Receive, <clears throat> receive these words from the Holy Gospel according to Luke, the 16th chapter. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate lay a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died and angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received good things, while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in agony. And besides all this, Between us and you is a great chasm has been set in place, so that those who want to go from here to there cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will also not come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets, Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. May God bless you in the hearing of this reading. So Jesus was an upside-down turner. The Gospel of Luke is all about turning things upside down, and it starts at the very beginning, when, when Mary is still pregnant with Jesus, and she sings that song, um, so important that we now call it the Magnificat, that God brings down the powerful from their thrones and lifts up the lowly. And then Jesus goes on the sayings, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. And parable after parable of this flipping upside down. And in the end, death will be turned upside down to resurrection and new life. Now some people did not care for this upside down talk of Jesus. And it was causing conflict. Jesus was causing conflict. And the gospel really is a story of this rising hostility until the conflict is so bad, violence erupts. In Luke, the people we hear about, these these folks hostile to Jesus, were the very religious people. We're going to call them VRPs, very religious people. Luke calls them Pharisees. And they were Bible-believing folks. And they knew their scripture. But they didn't much know God. And they sure didn't recognize Christ right there in front of them. 
They'd been watching Jesus. And he had some good things to say, and they wanted him to change. You know, to become respectable, like they were. To become successful, like they were. To become prosperous, like they were. Instead, Jesus was turning things upside down. Always seeing the world through God's eyes. Always seeing, seeing those people that, that God had special care for. The poor, the oppressed, the widows and the orphans and the aliens. And then God commanded God's people to care for the poor. So, these very religious people, these VRPs, they weren't getting it. Jesus tried to teach them. Jesus could see how far they were from God. And so, in compassion, he taught them with stories and with sayings. But they wouldn't hear. And they didn't listen. They even ridiculed Jesus. Now, these very religious people, we're told they loved money. And so Jesus tells the story that Patrick shared with us. This was not a subtle story, in case you didn't pick that up. He had just said, Pharisees love money. And now we have a story about a rich man. Who could that be? We have rich man and Lazarus. This rich man was so rich, he dressed in purple clothes. Purple was a very expensive dye, only the rich. I mean, these were designer clothes you could only get in Sun Valley or Beverly Hills. And, and we're told they, they lived luxuriously. Literally, they ate luxuriously every day. They must have had a personal chef and a beautiful spread every single day. And then there's Lazarus. Lazarus at the gate. If he stayed at the gate, he was probably crippled. He was probably dumped there by someone. And we hear the dogs were licking his sores. That's gross. Couldn't even defend himself from dogs. It was especially, um, it would have been hurt especially off-putting to Jews at that time because dogs were unclean. And when you were unclean, you couldn't do your worship at the temple. You were an outcast. You couldn't go to God. And then life ends and everything turns upside down. That rich man was now tormented. We hear he was in agony because of the fire. Was this a fire like we imagine, like a furnace? Or was this like the fire of shingles? Sores on his body, just like Lazarus. And Lazarus was carried by the angels to Abraham. Abraham, that father of the Hebrew people. And now Lazarus belonged and he was loved. Now, let's go back to what that, I mean, the rich man's tormented. That's bad. Well, what did he do? Because he really hadn't done anything immoral. We don't hear that he kicked Lazarus as he walked by. He didn't 
abused Lazarus. He did no harm. He also did no good. Well, rich man's in torment. Lazarus is over with Abraham. Rich man still doesn't get it. He calls out to Abraham. Abraham, send the servant dude over there. I can't remember his name because I never paid attention to him. Send him over here to take care of me. And Abraham responds. Jesus gives us these words. In your lifetime, you receive good things. While Lazarus received bad things. Now he is comforted and you are in agony. Things are upside down. Well, those, those very religious people, they didn't get it. They loved money and they mocked Jesus. They thought that they were fighting on level ground, that they were in, you know, a competition with a peer, with a colleague. They didn't get that they were being hostile to the Son of God, that they were in a fight with Christ. They didn't get that they were violating God's command to care for the poor. And just to be clear, this was not one of those offhanded commands. You know, if you get to it, you know, don't, don't oppress the poor, care for the poor. This was in the Hebrew scriptures. This wasn't a command they heard once or twice. This was repeated hundreds of times. This was central to their faith, to care for the poor. Well, the rich man finally gets it. It's upside down. And it's not going to get better for him. And he says, send somebody to warn my relatives. And Abraham says, what you talking about? They have Moses. They have the prophets, who, by the way, tended to be killed by the very religious people. They have hundreds of times they've already been told to care for the poor. It won't convince them. Even if someone rises from the dead, it won't convince them. And who is it that rose from the dead? Jesus. Jesus, right. Jesus rose from the dead, still didn't convince them. Now we're, you know, we're in the story. Let's take a step back to Luke writing this gospel. It was 50 years later he's writing these words. 50 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus. And those folks, those, those very religious people who rejected Jesus at this time, Jesus rose from the dead and they still rejected Jesus. And this division between the followers of Jesus and those very religious people, it just grew and grew. Like that great chasm between rich, the rich man and Lazarus. It reminds me of, you know, images I have in my head that I've been given of that gate to heaven. You guys have seen, you know, pictures with the pearly gates and on that side of heaven and on this side is not.
And in the last judgment, you know, we die and we go to St. Peter, who tends to have a podium like this, looking things up. St. Peter gets the summation of our life and lets us know whether we are, can go in the pearly gates or we should go elsewhere. My favorite story of the last judgment, though, says that we, you know, as we exit this life and enter that life, we go up to the pearly gates and there is St. Peter, but behind the gates, looking out, are people who had in this life been poor and oppressed, the Lazaruses of this life. And they are the ones that say, I recognize her, let her in. They are the ones that decide. That's a story that grabs my heart. It grabs my heart because that is like the moment when all of life is summed up and we are welcomed into heaven or not. And I want to be a good disciple. I want to be counted among the followers of Christ. And I dream, I barely dream, of hearing those words of God at that final time, well done, good and faithful servant. And faith has prompted me to do some good things. I remember Earl, who was a homeless fellow. Quite a few years ago, I knew him. He was a Vietnam vet. He had bad PTSD. He was tormented. You can't hold a job when flashbacks grab you all the time. And he was kind, and he was generous, and he was funny. And he would tell little stories. He could handle the memories of what he saw. It was the memories of what he did that tortured him. It was the lives that he snuffed out that tortured him. And he could not forgive himself. One day he mentioned to me that he wanted to quit smoking. So I went and got him those nicotine patches and he said they helped, and he quit smoking, and then he disappeared like homeless people often do after a while. I imagine Earl at those gates. I think of Rona, who was this old homeless woman. She was skinny. And she kind of hunched over, she had thin gray hair, and she, you know, did the shuffle thing. I first met her at Corpus Christi right as COVID arrived. And Corpus Christi house is small. I mean, it's, it's the size of these chairs are smaller. It's a small space. 
And you know, we had to stay six feet apart. So we had to redo everything. A hundred people would squish themselves into corpus before coronavirus arrived. So we would let people in to take showers. We had clothes set up. People could come in one at a time to get clothes. We set all the food outside. So people didn't have to come inside to eat. And Rona would come. I remember the first time she came, she said, oh, I need to get some clothes. And so she shuffles in, gets all the way in to where the clothes are and falls on the floor. And I grab my phone, I'm about to call 911. And somebody who'd been there longer than me said, oh, just wait. Sure enough, pretty soon she's waking up, saying her blood sugar's low and she needs a candy bar. So she gets up, I'm like, oh, I go get her a candy bar. I help her up, I help her with her stuff. I walk her out. The next day she comes again, falls down in the exact same spot. <laughs> now, now I'm on to her. Every single day she'd pass out in the exact same spot. She never passed out out where the food was. She came inside. And I'm like, Rona, you can't do this. Other people have to come in and get clothes. Oh, and she would walk into the walls. And then she would walk into the wall and then fall down. It's right there, Rona. I can see that you can see it. She drove me nutso. I would say, you cannot come in here if you're gonna fall down. Oh, I don't know what you're talking about. She drove me crazy. <laughs> well, one day it was my birthday and people were wishing me happy birthday. And Rona said, oh, my birthday's next week. And I'd been praying for my enemies like you do. Rona was on my list. And faith prompted me to make brownies for her for her birthday. And I brought them and, you know, set them out. And I said, Rona, I made, I made brownies for your birthday. And I don't even remember if she smiled. She kept complaining, stayed ornery as ever. But you know what? She never passed out for me again. <laughs> as the time went on and she would share little snippets, I found out she'd grown up in foster care. <clears throat> She had come out of a bad situation and then was moved from home to home to home. She had spent most, if not all, of her adult life homeless. Her torment began early in life. And so when I imagine those pearly gates and the people behind them, I imagine Earl, and I imagine Rona, not like I knew them, but, but healed and healthy, with eyes shining. Turns out Rona was only one year older than me. And I imagine them saying, me is here. Open the gates. Who 
who's going to be standing at the gates waiting for you? Who's going to be standing at those gates so excited that you have arrived? The one you may not even remember because your good was so small, but mattered to them. Only twice in the Gospels does Jesus mention hell, what we would think of as hell, as torment or agony. This is one of those times. The other time is in Matthew 25. And both of those, the reason people were in torment was because they ignored the poor. Nowhere else does Jesus mention hell. Not for crimes, not for drug use, not for sexual immorality, only twice for ignoring the poor. And so this command to care for the poor, it lays on us. In Matthew 25, Jesus says, when you feed the hungry, when you visit the sick, when you visit the imprisoned, you are, you are caring for me. That rich man who walked right by Lazarus and did nothing, he was walking by Jesus the Christ and missing him right at his feet. We claim our citizenship in this upside-down kingdom of heaven by caring for the poor, following Jesus who turned everything upside down. Would you pray with me? Jesus, you, you visit us even today in people who are poor and oppressed, who need to be seen and cared for and loved, and you give us the ability to see. You take our blinders off, and your faith prompts us to do good things. Lord, we ask that every day you pull the layers of blindness off our eyes, that we may see you more clearly and be prompted to do your good works in this world. We pray this in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening. This podcast is preached almost always by our pastor, Reverend Mia Crossway. CUNY United Methodist Church is a community on a mission to make disciples for the transformation of the world. To support this podcast and the missional priorities of this church, go to cunaumc.org and click on Give. Any amount helps. And if you're kind enough to share your contact information with us, we'll continually send you things.